Sonic State. Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk Live, number 172, recording on Wednesday 21st of April 2010, uh, be on iTunes and all the other usual ways of, uh, of collecting and listening on Thursday the 22nd of April. Uh, I'd like to welcome all our chatties this week, um, nice to see uh, a bunch of people in there, I can see uh, Mark, you've got a very interesting uh, handle there, <laughs> I'm not going to pronounce it, it's almost as unpronounceable as the Icelandic volcano, but uh, that's hey! another subject which will be coming up slowly, I don't want to well, I was that. totally predictable you were going to say that. Oh, as really? <laughs> I know, that's why you keep coming back, though, Rob. That that was Dave Robinson. I better introduce you first, seeing as you've jumped in. Oh. <laughs> Dave Robinson, man about town, uh, swivelling in his Alan Sugar-like uh, Herman Miller <laughs> at the top of Blackfire's buildings looking over London, uh, editor of ProSoundNewsEurope.com, who've had a relaunch online. Am I not wrong? The last Tuesday, we had a bit of a soft relaunch. We've... We've got the most, I thought we had, the, the content management system editor, I thought was pretty bad. The new one is supposed to be better, but <laughs> it's just, and when you when you you put something together, uh, um, and you look at it in Safari, and sorry, you look at it in Firefox, and it looks fantastic, and then you go over into the Citrix, you know, the virtual, de- the virtual desktop, and you look at it on a PC, and there are all these invisible um, hardline returns that, that you that don't show up in on, on a Mac, it's a real bugger. I have to say, it's 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 a you know we, we we're learning very quickly. Convert to convert to plain text. That's the only way and to do yeah, it. Yeah, but there's nothing. Just a big button that says remove all gremlins, remove all invisibles. That's all I want. I'm sure there's but a button no, for it. You get hidden things, and you know you put it into a text document. You you save it as UTC sixteen text or UTF what it is. <laughs> wipe it clean, and then you copy and paste it, and oh. What it's you need, just, what you need is uh, WordPress. You should run the whole thing on WordPress. Well, you know, we, <laughs> unfortunately, decisions like that are beyond the, the uh, your jurisdiction. The, 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 the I'd machinations of the, of the corporate uh, gestalt. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> well, anyway, um, it looks nice to me. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I did notice there was no Sonic Talk podcast recording button. There no, anymore. there's. Um, have we not got one of those? I mean, we, we're a week old, and we're finding what's missing, and, and things are. Things will be evolving in the next couple of weeks, but yes, obviously we need to uh, we need to get something up there. And one of the reasons I'm here today is to I mean, obviously is to, is to uh, delight in your in your bountiful <laughs> company. But apart from that, is uh, is to say, yeah, we are up and, and running with a new site, and hopefully bigger and better than before. But absolutely, uh, are there not any, perfect. Are there any, is there anything? Is it is it a, is it a sort of redesign or are there new functionality that? Uh... Yeah, and also there's going to be we're going to be updating the news a lot more than we were. We've got a bigger budget to throw at it, and we're hoping, you know, we've got just things simple things like a Twitter feed, and, and we just made it look a bit more a bit more slick with the layout. Uh, it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to think there'd be more value-added, like video and all that kind of stuff, but we don't have the dedicated teams that uh, that you guys do, but it's something that yeah. we're looking into. We've got so many employees, Dave. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's hard to manage. I'm not sure which video team to deploy next, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's not in Afghanistan. Yeah, the one... I've got three teams... Trapped in Europe, another one in uh, the South Pacific. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just they're not. They're another one in Thunderbird Five, orbiting <laughs> the planet. Yeah, right. In my <laughs> dreams. Anyway, that other chuckle you just heard there was Dave Spears, because it is a Double Dave week. I, I was get, would insert a jingle here, but we haven't got one. But so, uh, if anyone wants to do us a Double Dave jingle, jingle, why not? <laughs> they can come in. Dave Spears, G4Software.com.
Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Glad you could make it, because uh, I know you were out of, out of town and possibly stuck in traffic, but you made it back in perfect timing. Yeah, no, it's good. About five minutes to spare. How ironic if David had been stuck in traffic when there are people can't get across the sea to get back <laughs> to our country, and Dave's stuck on the, on the uh, Reading roundabout. <laughs> or the M25. We, we did witness an accident, actually. That was quite cool. Oh, what, cool? Yeah, cool it just sort of happened in front of our eyes. Oh, oh man. Not fatal, I hope. Nothing uh, funny no, about no. fatal accidents. No, no. Is it a sort of slapstick accident? It looked like it, yeah. It was like, what's all that dust? Ah, that'll be what all that dust is. <laughs> well, anyway, welcome and... Uh, <laughs> I hope no one died, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's certainly hope so, anyway, because you'll be probably having uh, to be a witness, called away. Anyway, Dave, uh, nice to have you, and um, let's move straight over to the other side of the pond and say hi to Rich Hilton, who hasn't gone to Japan yet with Sheik, but I'm sure uh, next week you will be, uh, assuming you can fly, that is. I guess you can. Yeah, uh... The the plan is tomorrow I will be. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so this is the last day at home right now. Well, we're very pleased that you could join us and you're not uh, spending the time, you know. Are you one of these meticulous packers who has to have everything sort of just so and, you know, or do you can you just throw it all in a bag and you know kind of pretty much what you're doing easily? No, I'm kind of, um, uh, how do you say, ritualistic about my approach to these things. And the problem here is, a year ago when I was not supposed to be going on the road anymore, I kind of unpacked my ritual bag. So I have to sort of reassemble. Oh, it's being dispersed. Now. Back into, you know, what we like to refer to as the general population. And uh, so now it needs to reassemble into a, a suitable bag. Um, I'll be fine. So you have I, to, I, you've got, have you got, I am specific, though. I have to be. Have you got I a special travel stay. pillow? I don't. No, not, not to that level. Okay. Well, I've got I, – I do – you know, I've got eye shades. I've got earplugs. I've got various amenities that I know I'll need. I've got a brand-new Samson Go oh, mic. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was a great sales job. I hope you use our Good affiliate try. link to buy that. I, pardon me? <laughs> I said I hope you used our affiliate link to buy that. No, actually, I used to work for these people. But anyway, uh, so they owe me something now. Have you tried, have you tried it? Yes, I did. I uh, got an engineering friend of mine on uh, iChat once, the, the morning I received it, and I said, so tell me, how does this thing sound? And he described it to me, and uh, apparently it sounds pretty good. Oh, thank goodness for that. Not the usual uh, creamy apogeeness, but apparently pretty good. Well, there's a bit of a difference, you know, we're talking 35 bucks, so, you know, 35 <laughs> bucks of... <laughs> I've got one. I thought, I've only used it a couple of times, but I thought it sounded pretty good. Yeah, as long as you don't pop, you have to be kind of quite. You mustn't. Yeah, you could do it getting an old stocking on it or something. Yeah. I'm sure there's one of those in your ritualistic packing kit. There's something (laughs) funny about taking an endorsement from somebody who sounds like this. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Rich, I'm glad to have have you aboard anyway. Um, And um, and finally, of course, Mark Tinley uh, from Cambridgeshire, sound artist and. well, general man about town, creative thinker. How's it going, mate? I'm all right, but I'm not here. Oh, aren't you? No. Somewhere else. No, I went to I went to see an advaita style teacher on Saturday. You know, one of those non-dualistic kind of gurus, and he um, taught me that I wasn't here, and now I'm not anymore. I've gone. Right. Okay. There is so no you... there is no further mark. There's but no self. Did, but when I was here, I did actually have. 
a travel pillow that I used to use on tour, and then I had an Australian girlfriend, and she took it back to Australia. <gasps> I know, it's shocking, isn't it? She said, "Wow, this pillow is really cool," and it did cost something like a hundred and fifty bucks or something. No from one way. of those kind of guru kind wow. of another kind of guru that you know those what are those shops called scientific approach oh yeah the branding you know, yes, in america yeah i know so it's one of those pillows that sort of molded itself to your head yeah i got you so how so could it have been comfortable carried, for her unless you had exactly the same head shape well no it then it molds itself when you put your head on it it's some weird foam or something all uh, right okay i think i got you yeah. i like the sound of that it was very good yeah well, shall we, uh, enough of this chit-chat, shall we get on with the uh, with the show? And I'll start you off with uh, a bit of Pat Metheny, because uh, I know it's been, it's been some time coming, and it's about time. I didn't know quite what to expect when I started this whole thing, especially making a record with it. The result is absolutely nothing like I ever would have imagined. It got me to get to some places I've never been, and that's, that's a pretty cool thing. I've always been fascinated with the idea of music and the way it ultimately comes to exist. I won't go on too much about that, but that's um, the electronic hit press kit from uh, Pat Metheny's Orchestrion, which is uh, currently touring, I believe, uh, in various parts of the world up until June. I think we've just missed the US leg, but June, July is Asia and Europe and the world. And um, I know, Rich, you've, you've spoken about this before, but it's essentially uh, it's a mechanical instrument. It's a giant mechanical instrument. He's always been interested in uh, player pianos. His uncle used to have one, and he was just always totally fascinated by it. And... Um, when I first heard this, you know, I heard you talking about it, I thought it was going to be just some kind of thing that we wheeled on. I didn't realise quite the scale <laughs> that we were talking about here. Because it's absolutely massive. It's like, there's pianos, guitars, xylophones, glockenspiels, um, basses, all sorts of drums, an entire drum kit. But the drum kit is kind of, you know, every, uh, the whole thing's driven by solenoids. And when I was listening to it, I mean, Pat Metheny's not my cup of tea. I'll, I'll, I'll be straight up front about it. But listening to the stuff that this thing could make... It was really you can you you can tell it's real. It doesn't sound like it's MIDI. Do you know what I mean? There's there's an air and a space around it which really kind of makes it sound a specific way. And uh, it's very very interesting. And the, the, um, I don't know if everybody else got a chance to check the videos out and have a look. I know Rich, you're probably familiar with this because you've mentioned it before. Did have you seen that particular video before? I've seen all of those videos. Right. And purchased my tickets yesterday. Oh, did you? To go see this thing on the road. You took it on the road. I can't believe that. Around the world. And to describe it as an instrument is like to describe, uh, you know, I don't know, an airplane as a seat. You know, it's it's like (laughs) it's it's a room full of of instruments, some of which are things like cellos and string basses that are being fingered by solenoid-driven devices. It's really remarkable. Rich, most in Europe, most of the airplanes are seats because they're not going anywhere, mate. Well, well that's right. <laughs> 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 but I mean, <laughs> um, right. 
But well, this, whole th- this whole thing, apparently, all the solenoids, they're written, uh, they're, the, the machinery is all built by this guy called Eric Singer, who is a member of, now this is great, what's this, what's it called? It's the Lemur, the League of Electronic Musical, Inst- Musical Urban Robots. And uh, the, he's the guy who makes all this stuff. And it's all solenoid based. And he's come up with this brilliant bit of engineering that allows dynamics to be played very, very carefully. And it's ba- essentially MIDI in and, you know, notes out or, you know, playing out. And, um, there's there's a really interesting article on uh, electronic musician about um, the, how this whole thing came together and, and the various problems that he's had with it, um, because obviously there's quite a lot of latency going on. Because there's yeah. you know he can play it um, guitar to MIDI. He's got a MIDI hex pickup uh, thirteen thirteen pe- uh, pole pickup on his guitar, so he can play any of the instruments he wants from his guitar, including the drums and all sorts of things. So all of this stuff has actually been input in some way by Pat. So it's got I mean, it's it sounds incredible, and when you see him playing like that, there's this sort of ease, and you know, it looks very very simple and easy. But actually, what he had to do is tune all of the latencies on a per instrument and per solenoid almost basis, so that when you know beat one came, it was beat one, and it was all in time and all swung right and all, and it just sounds like an absolutely monstrous amount of work. I mean, we can get onto the the nightmare of it, it perhaps touring after that, but. Uh, Astonishing, yeah. really, and it. But it, the results do seem to have a certain. Well, you, thank God, they sound a bit different to everything else. Yeah. Well, in addition to that guy, Eric, Eric, you mentioned um, there were a few other people involved, including the Peterson Company of strobe tuning fame, who uh, invented and and he's using a bottle-based instrument that's got a kind of a hooty sound. I guess is if you could describe almost calliope-like. He uh, illustrates it in one of the uh, videos on the Orchestrion site. Right. And um, I just, I love this stuff. I, I'm fascinated by it. I think it's one of the coolest things ever, and I have to see it. Dave Robinson, I, did uh, uh, this the sort of thing kind of would seem to appeal to the, you're always going to uh, arty events in London. Can you see yourself going to one all of these? All the time. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I saw the... Um, what was it the lost uh, the lost and found orchestra last year which is um instruments made out of uh, found materials which is which is amazing <clears throat> and actually my very first my my the day before i started at future music magazine in 1992 i stopped off at i think northwich um somewhere not far from bath there's there's a museum of mechanical instruments somewhere in somewhere in the cotswolds i don't know if you've ever been but yeah player pianos and all that kind of stuff f- fascinating stuff um just a question though to clarify i mean in 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 the youtube video he's playing with himself as it were but um presumably the pre-recorded midi tracks are coming off a laptop or something and triggering the instruments yeah you know, he, the drum kit and the piano is that is that what's happening yes he uses uh live he uses Av- uh, sibelius uh motu dp he uses and also ableton live Right. Um, depending on you know how he was, apparently uh, there's quite a lot of information on the uh, electronic musician piece. It's very interesting. Uh, he used Ableton Live to kind of jam the riffs and get the ideas down, and then he transferred it all to DP to kind of get the the tweaking and the you know the the, the kind of the, the the alignments and everything you know the, the finesse to it. Uh, yeah. And so he's playing a lot, but I also he's playing. He's play- some things are doubling what he's playing at the same time. Like there's certain lines. If you hear that, there's sounds like there's a vibraphone and uh, yeah. uh, piano and something else. There's some funny guitar-looking things that look like kind of mechanical saws. Okay, so c- correct me if I'm 
if I mean, Rich, you've seen all the videos, and I've just seen a, a four or five minute excerpt, and it sounds like a weather report track that's does been actually, yeah, and, it does, yeah. and he's playing along to. It, it it would seem to me that he's got all that technology, he's got that set up. He should actually do something that you couldn't imitate with a bunch of musicians, because that's what he's done. He's effectively got rid of the band, and you know he's got the the, the jazz chords on the piano. He might as well have a a pianist there, a bunch of musicians there. You know, rather than what he could be doing is something like Jeff Smith does on his gas, um, what's it called, gas food lodging CD, when he does the kind of Steve Reich piano player type stuff, right? But um, it, it's all done on one piano or multiple pianos, but one pi- one pianist couldn't play it. You know, okay, he's okay. actually he's actually doing things on the, using the piano player model but you couldn't do if you were a real player. Whereas Matheny's got all this fantastic technology, and it does look brilliant. It looks like some bizarre um, mechanical workshop. It looks like some, some um, you know, Wallace and Gromit invention, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Wallace and Gromit uh, make music. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that's a really valid point, actually, Dave. But, um, but all he's doing is replacing Weather Report with with his laptop playing back MIDI tracks that he's played in. It seems to me that there's, he's kind of missing the point. And and I but what I do know, I mean, I'm sure, um, Rich, you could correct me here. What what I do know, I've got the only Pat Matheny I've got, apart from his amazing recording of Electric Counterpoint, which is you know the definitive version of Reich's um, multi-layered guitar piece, which was sampled by um, the Orb and, and various other people, um, is an album that he did called Zero Tolerance for Silence. Have you ever heard that? No, which, I'm not familiar with this. I have it no. Right, which is a bit like, um, uh, what's his name, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, only, <laughs> only it's even worse. <laughs> you really can't listen to it for more than about four seconds without having to... So you to, think you, you should know. be doing more stuff like that? Well, you know, he's actually sort of pushing sonically and, and, and musically what he's doing, whereas here, I mean, technically what he's done is fantastic, but then he's kind of not really doing anything with it that's very... You know, well, I maybe I'm missing the point. I, I, but from I, what I saw, he's not doing things that you couldn't do or that he couldn't do with with his band or yeah. with a group of you know Zappa star musicians. That's true. Dave Spears, did, did did this? I mean, did this kind of inflame any uh, interest in you, or was it kind of? I mean, you know, Pat Metheny is is quite sort of soft jazz, isn't it? I mean, I think Dave's got a point there. Dave Spears, Dave's amazing, amazing player, he really is. I was kind of. I was a big fan actually in the eighties, and then I kind of, and then it all got a bit smooth jazz, mm. and I kind of went off it. But um, some of the earlier albums off ramp and stuff like that are really interesting. And he's always been a tech head, but I love the idea of this. Um, I'm quite intrigued with this solenoid-based stuff. I can't really talk very much about it, but we've just bought a solenoid-based instrument, ah. so I'm kind of intrigued. Uh, well, it, w- it would be really interesting because do you remember we did a piece some time ago in one of the pre? I forget which podcast it was, but there was the piano as a kind of um, frequency FFT thing where it would synthesise speech. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. And it seems Sparky. like he could, he could be using things a bit like... No, no, actually, so the piano was played, you know, poly, very polyphonically. So you'd have the note that the keyboard represented the frequency spectrum so you could talk into it and the piano actually spoke by the frequency play and you just think maybe there's there's a bit more he could be doing some more interesting things with that which you just mm. would be impossible to play i don't know what do you think mark do you think he, he has a duty of care to uh, push the boundaries even further um i'm not sure i think he i think he's pretty cool with what he's doing actually i did want to sort of jump in and 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 defend him 
against what Dave Robinson was saying, but then I actually I realised that what Dave Robinson was saying was uh, made sense, and that I'd misunderstood what he was saying. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think he could. I'm always right, Mark. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but I, what I thought Dave Robinson was saying was, well, why bother to have all of this mechanics doing it when you could have the band? And then what I'd got from it watching the video was that Pat Metheny was sort of saying it's really interesting to improvise in a space where you're improvising solely with yourself, but everything's kind of playing on real instruments because then you kind of find that you're a fingerprint. I think he said yeah. he was a fingerprint match quite, for the music and then he could like lean into it and lean out of it. And I thought that was, yeah, it's kind of cool that he's doing that. Maybe he'll do that next. Who knows? I mean, I'd love to get my hands on that and, just you know throw some midi programming well at I mean, it. I'm, I'm guessing also if you go to all that trouble you want to make more than one album don't you really i mean i wonder if you would uh, you would even kind of allow other people to to use it in the same way that uh, you know people have very expensive and unique instruments you know allow other people to play it just to get the experience i don't know does that make any sense well what uh, maybe i mean what he was saying was that the instruments that he's got in his particular orchestra are chosen to complement his musical taste. Yeah. So if I was to create it with solenoids, I'd probably like have spoons hitting petrol tanks and things like that instead. So maybe it might, <laughs> it might have a different result. There was yeah. a- I mean, solenoids reminds me of uh, when sampling first came out. I wanted to get my hands on sampling technology, and my brother Adam had a Casio SK1. And it had this one-step key play thing, and you could put like a little sequence in, and then you could step through it by pressing a button. And I hot-wired it with a solenoid to press the button for mm. me, and then triggered it off a 909 rim shot. So I, so I kind of, and that had all sorts of weird kind of delays going on from like a control <laughs> velocity opening a solenoid and basically doing the the button press to do the sequencing. Oh, I, so I, I mean, I can't envisage really. The, I mean, I guess he must be controlling it using the mark of. Did you say he's using Digital Performer or Mark of the Unicorn? Digital Performer. Is he using Mark of the Unicorn audio interfaces to get that control voltage stuff? No, no. The, the the actual um, each instrument has MIDI as an input. So how is he triggering this? I mean, I can't. There must be a huge latency between the triggering. Well, he said he said in the article it's somewhere between twenty five and two fifty depending on the instrument wow. and, and how that works. Minutes. Yeah, <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now, there you get some pretty free-form jazz out of that, wouldn't you? So how would you... Let me try again. Talk about phoning it in. That must be weird. I mean, he must feel odd when he's playing this because if you, when I play an instrument with latency, I kind of find myself falling into a playing-ahead kind of vibe. And then you start to, f- it feels weird. It actually makes me feel weird when I'm playing ahead. It doesn't, it makes me feel weird when I'm playing in time, actually. <laughs> I think <laughs> if it's. I'm playing ahead and I know I'm playing ahead. It feels kind of like off. But I think he's, what, what he was saying is that he's, well, now it's all been put into the sequences. It's been time aligned so that the latency is built into the tracks. They've all got the delay sorted so that when the first beat comes in, they're all bang on because. Otherwise, right, sure, it, but if he was playing something, but if he... he well, must I guess he doesn't play the thing that... I guess, yeah, you know, from his guitar, he doesn't play the thing that's got 250 milliseconds delay. I'm guessing. We're going to find out. Yeah, I guess you'll see. He's, he's playing it on stage, like yeah. from the guitar. 
And apparently creating pieces in real time. Yeah, apparently he's using Ableton to create patterns and build stuff up. And one thing that was very interesting, I'd like to mention... That, to me, that sounds fascinating. And actually, in the execution, in the same way as you could see people using a, you know, a couple of Line 6 pedals in a, you know, a digital delay, building stuff up is, is, is fascinating. And I think the actual performance and, and watching performance is probably a lot better than sitting listening to an hour of it yeah, on the CD. Okay, and one thing I wanted to also mention, he said while he was making the instruments, um, the, the guy who would would create the instruments would sort of supply it, but it would have a load of really crappy drums in it. So he'd say, right, well, I, I want to use like a drum workshop. Or what does he say? Jack Doherty. I can't remember what the, the name is. Jack Dijonet. Jack Dijonet. He, so he put his drums in there. So they all sat, you know, so sometimes the instruments that were being used to play were of insufficient quality to sound nice. So that's that was another part of it. So you get the triggering, but then you'd also get replacing, you know, making sure the instrument selection was right. So they sat, and they do all sound lovely. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, great fun. If, and I, if but, I may speak to something just briefly, please. Sure. And I like Dave's points, and I understand where he's coming from, but I think there's a couple of things to understand about Pat Metheny. First of all, we can't expect him not to sound like Pat Metheny. That's the way the guy writes. Yeah. I, yeah. Once, worked, I once worked next door to him for an entire album and stood outside listening to him work, and he has a very, very distinctive writing style that, to me, I can understand the comparison to Weather Report, but doesn't sound like Weather Report to me. But not to defend his writing so much as to just make the point that he's going to sound like Pat Metheny no matter what he does. And that's, you know, for better or for worse, that's who he is. And what he does, the whole rest of his life is about taking bands full of amazing players on the road. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, this is a, a diversion for him, and he actually acknowledges it as such in the interviews. I'm not here to defend Pat. I don't know him that well. I've met him. Nice man. I think he's one of the world's greatest living improvisers, period. Mm-hmm. I think he's just a magnificent player. And... uh yeah, the music's got a certain lightness to it that most of what I listen to doesn't have. And, uh, but I just yeah, find, no, I th- I th- I find I th- the project th- compelling apart. But I think Dave's points are extremely well made and not without validity. It's just worthy of understanding the context for this. That's the whole rest of it. I suppose that's what I mean. Maybe you know, in, in subsequent albums, he might find a way to explore the, that a little bit deeper, a bit more kind of so it's, well, it becomes he, a bit He more actually cont- says when he's done with this, he's pretty much done with this. Like he just did it to do it. Yeah. It wasn't like the beginning of some, you know, massive ah. space program or something for him. I think this was just sort of a, <laughs> uh, you know, one huge room full of gear. What can I make happen with it? Hey, that's pretty cool. Let's record yeah. some. All right, let's take it on the road. Wow. Take Jesus, it on the road. Taking it on the road. So yeah. what's he going to do with it? Has he said? Oh, no. Well, you, you put, you, could you fit in your garage? Well, you need, huh? a, you need a xylophone. Gonna say, he's going to flog it to me. <laughs> Dave, yeah, Dave Spears, you've still got a bit of room left in your uh, office. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll say to the missus, uh, I've bought an orchestrion and she'll <laughs> think it's an orchestrion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not that bit of old tap. Well, yeah, yeah kind of. I've so, already got one. She'll just want to yeah. know whether there's a vocoder in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, other thing, the other thing, actually, Rich, is that, I mean, again, I'd rather stab knives in my face than, than listen to an, a weather report album frankly but um, <laughs> i agree actually just send, them, just send them all to me i love weather report. <laughs> but um everything that he's using that i could see the xylophones the the, the glockenspiel you know the the, uh, the metallophones all that kind of stuff very fixed frequencies you know uh c3 equals 48 midi note whatever mm. and the jazz style lends itself to blues notes and bent notes and take a look uh, at the string bass they did. A, they have at least a string bass, if not a cello, right? With no they, frets. 
they have right okay just 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 check because i didn't see that so i would say in, in, in the way that somebody like him would naturally play. You'd think there'd be bent notes, there'd, there'd be half tones, microtones, and uh, you, you know, your xylophone's not going not gonna to pick that up. No, but you'd have but, to do slurs and stuff, wouldn't you? I mean, I suppose that kind of thing. But. Well, I guess, but it's kind of, you kind of lose that, the whole point of, of the percussive nature of, uh, I don't know. But uh, it, it, it would seem an odd choice to play in a style that lends itself... Anyway, just another point, really. The, the reason why it's not, it's, it's, it seems to be not what you'd expect from him but then again that's what you'd expect the unexpected so uh, at this point it'd be nice to say uh, hello and welcome and thank you to our show sponsors uh, of course yamaha.co.uk who are our long-term sponsors of the show uh, they'd like to bring your attention to their monthly podcast which is a download podcast uh, in fact the the current episode has uh, an interview with Toshi Kunimoto who's the brains behind the Yamaha spectral component modeling which is deployed on the new CP1 stage piano um, Peter Peck uh, interviews him and he's also the genius behind uh, Yamaha VL1 synth and VCM effects and used on their digital mixers very interesting guy with lots and lots of interesting stuff to say about design philosophy and just the technology behind it incidentally um, while we're on the subject of the CP1 uh, Yamaha do urge you to go and try out their latest CPA technology at a store near you because obviously um, you can see people playing it and listen to it on the, on the flash video and all that kind of thing but it doesn't actually beat the chance of going into a store and trying it out yourself and just to see what what it's capable of because it really is quite a remarkable uh, piano. Uh, and while we're at it, uh, they also want to bring your attention to yamahadownload.com. Um, there's all sorts of information on the latest products and software releases. Um, you can get the latest drivers. Uh, there's also um, details on the new Unique Beats show in Edinburgh on the 24th of April. And you can check out the, also the tenorionusa.com website uh, and information on Rihanna's keyboard player, Hannah Versanth, and a bunch more. So please do go check out the Yamaha uh, podcast download and also the newsletter and website. Um, and the best way to get to that is sonicstate.com forward slash Yamaha, because if you go through that little porthole, it'll just tell them where you came from. So we do thank uh, Yamaha very much for their continued sponsor of the show, and uh, please do check the podcast out. It's great fun. We can't avoid volcanic cancellation, I think, perhaps this week, because as you know, unless you've been, I don't know, living under a volcano, perhaps, or something else, you can't have noticed failed to notice that there seems to be Europe, European airspace is kind of closed because of the ash that's in the air that's coming out of this uh, volcano. And I can't pronounce it, but I did find somebody who can. I'm just going to play it quickly. This is what it sounds like in Icelandic. It sounds a bit indistinct, I must admit. <laughs> it's going there, yeah, yeah. something like that, I think. So, uh, yes, th- this is spewing out millions and billions and trillions of tons of ash that causes all sorts of nonsense with jet airplanes and it and there's been cancelled events all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff um coachella which is a big uh, californian uh festival gary newman couldn't get there amongst other people and also there's the ivan novello nominations yesterday in london and only a few people could get to that um so you know there's quite a lot of um stuff that's been cancelled james bernard propellerheads masterclasses which were due in the uk also been cancelled because he couldn't be guaranteed a flight although i think they've opened up uk airspace uh today a lot more and there's some more stuff coming but more importantly there's a bloke in the usa who's coming back with our ipad and i really want him to he was supposed to be here on monday so um, that's the most important <laughs> I, I don't care about the rest of it as long as we get our ipad so we can start doing reviews but it, it led me to a more of a kind of gen, general discussion on um, the kind of most creative or the most outlandish um, cancelled gigs and for reasons best and worst that perhaps might happen. And I, I, Dave Spears, I suspect you might have one or two um, 
anecdotes on the subject, or at least be privy to a couple of uh, stories that might uh, fit the bill. Cancelled gigs. Yeah, for the worst and best, you know, the the, the most unlikely reasons. Obviously, you know, death and, and severe injury and illness is uh, not part of the <laughs> part of it, unless it happens to be funny. Yeah, in case I just had an accident in front of you. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't know of any. Oh, well, that, that, but that also raises another point, which is you know that people will do go to extraordinary lengths to make sure the show goes on. I know, Rich. How about yourself? I know you've been. I actually know some related to this very occurrence. Ah, and, and uh, well, uh, my friend Kurt Ram, who plays trumpet and chic, has been stranded in Amsterdam for the last few days. And uh, we're all hoping that he's here now because <laughs> we have to leave tomorrow. Uh, and work visas being what they are in Japan, it all gets very complicated if he gets stuck. Uh, the guy who we would have as his sub is only here because his gig with Blood, Sweat, and Tears has been canceled all week in Europe because they haven't been able to get there. Oh, man. So, it's a so um, there's a lot – and there are much more um, – compelling and saddening stories than that to be told i'm sure about this transportation nightmare that these people have been in but uh just goes to show you how fragile it all is doesn't it yeah well totally i mean i can't imagine what the depping matrix is like all across the world at the moment it must be a kind of (laughs) an absolute nightmare mark tinley you've been on the road a lot any um amusing gig cancellations I it was uh, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been in the middle of a show which got stopped because the singer lost his voice. That was quite interesting. And then we had to uh, cancel a run of show several shows for about two weeks, I think. Um, and then I was I don't know if anybody remembers this, but when you go away from in, uh, the UK for a while, you can do like this kind of not being in the UK tax system thing. So I had to stay outside the UK for a certain number of days to make that happen. And um, and as I remember, and this has got nothing to do with the band, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's got everything to do with me getting married. But as I remember it, I rang uh, the keyboard player of the band up and said, look, I want to go to St. Lucia with this girl for a week. Is that okay? Just ring me. This is the number I'll be at in St. Lucia. And I can meet you back in New York. And he said, oh, I don't know. Well, you know, if the singer gets his voice back, you really need to be much more on hand than in St. Lucia. So I went, oh, okay then. So then I got on a train and went to Scotland to see another ex-girlfriend who I then married. <laughs> Anyone will do. I just fancy uh, getting married. Yeah, I've only got a week. Go. Yeah, it was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure about that. that <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't like that at all, Mark. I'm sure it was very romantic and everything. But if I... Okay, yes, it was very romantic and everything, but had I gone to St. Lucia with the other girl, I wouldn't have married the other one, if you wow. see what So that's a kind of can- marriage cancellation. <laughs> I once did a gig with uh, a theatre company and uh, there were two people in the company who weren't getting on. There was, you know, as you get these kind of things going on. And I just, I was just laying um, cables in the main hall with under gaffer tape, you know, waiting for getting the show ready, putting all the lighting stuff out because I was just helping a mate out who was uh, the stage manager and the, the, the front of house and lights. And uh, the actress in question came storming onto the stage uh, and and get, went did this sort of massive, very theatrical kind of rant with a sort of arm. It was it was like some kind of farce and stormed off. 
and left the building like literally while we were still setting the show up and then we all sort of looked at each other to think was this real or not because it was so funny that it and everybody was just sort of slack jawed and open mouth and then and it was they basically said they had to pretend that she'd broken her leg and the show couldn't go on and they cancelled the show (laughs) (laughs) and it was all because of this bad you know this this business between two the two, two people in the troop but uh, it was hilarious i mean in a way um obviously not for the people who bought their tickets but uh, it was such a kind of ridiculously farcical and almost it was like a it was like a sketch almost and that's the only thing i can think of in terms of cancellation i played a gig once that got cancelled halfway through that was interesting <laughs> well halfway through <laughs> was, well no, yeah, it was o- good. no audience no one really well there was a big aud- there was actually the audience was too big really um the big audience and it was a time when uh, djs were becoming prevalent and we went on as kind of i don't know a 14 piece soul band or something started playing and uh, some bloke got up on the uh, up on the stage and grabbed the microphone off the singer and started chanting band of shit, band of sock in it <laughs> no my god until the entire and the entire audience joined in which was quite hilarious and we scuffed <laughs> off stage and uh, oh what god. was really interesting was that the record that the dj started up was tom's diner ah, <laughs> hey. and the place went wild and they started. <laughs> oh dear well actually we cancelled a gig once because there were some bikers who showed up and they want it was a battle of the bands competition at a local club and these bikers showed up and started throwing beer barrels through the window <laughs> oh my god! Well, we were terrified you know because there was nobody there apart from the sound engineer and a couple of pale looking judges and uh there was a, a scar band and a band that were sort of loads of skinheads and it was just it was really terrifying because we had to barricade the doors and phone the police because we just didn't know what to do it's wow. time to break out that ska version of Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what you do. But anyway, I think the, the channels are opening now, and hopefully there'll be no more volcanic cancellation, although there is an enormous backlog of people. I mean, there are people who have... Uh, I went to a child... My, my daughter went to one of her uh, classmates' parties on uh, Sunday, and there was one of the one of the kids couldn't make it because they're stuck in, um, I don't know, somewhere uh, somewhere in else on holiday and they're not going to be able to get a flight back till the 5th of may <laughs> it's just kind of whoa that's pretty serious stuff i mean paradise can get a bit wearing after a while particularly if it's very costly because a lot of people have been putting prices up for that sort of thing but what can you say what can you do um, but hopefully it's all going to be fine and uh, we'll get our ipad that's all that matters <laughs> do we want to do paywall and then digital musicians or do we want to do guitar amp with a computer built in does anyone feel strongly about either of those? I guess the, the, <laughs> the last two subjects are probably kind of bigger, aren't they, and will require a bit more time, so maybe we should jump straight onto those. Does, does everybody concur? I'm easy. Easy. <laughs> does that, does that, do I detect a less than enthusiastic note? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm looking at, like, looking at the guitar amp with the... Yeah, it's not for real. I mean, What's you know. That? There's your answer. It's dated 19th of April. It shouldn't have dated the 1st of April. Yeah. Well, this is the orange PC. Orange, yeah. uh, the uh, classic... It's going to break, isn't it? <laughs> well, the orange classic manufacturer of British valve amps and combinat combos have uh, announced something called the OPC, which will be... Uh, it's the first... It's basically... looks like a little guitar combo with, an amp, with a, uh, a computer built in. And it's a fully fully functional 4-gig DDR RAM, 500-gig drive, Intel chips, Windows 764 home, um, you know, eight USB ports, Wi-Fi. There's a little aerial stick out of it as well. And, and you can plug your guitar in. I'm, I'm guessing you can run amp sims and what have you on it, you know. And what's not shown is, is a massive house fan next to it, keeping it cool, I'd have thought. I don't think it's a valve amp, put it that way. 
Well, all the same. I mean, you know, the heat generation out of that. It just. I mean, like you can see the port at the back there. And, and there's a, but, uh, it no, does say that there is a unique cooling system. Right, a bucket of water. To ensure, well, this and this is, hey, this is groundbreaking, isn't it? To ensure air goes in and exits only after cooling the internal computer. Well, there's a thought. Never, what a what a groundbreaking piece of design that must be. <laughs> As opposed to what? Yeah, <laughs> piping in the hot air. Piping in the yeah, exactly. Anyway, it looks kind of fun, but it's got to be. I, it's it's going to be up near a thousand quid. I've got to imagine for if the computer's got that sort of spec on it. But we'll see. Interesting idea. What I want, what, but you're still going to have to carry a screen, aren't you? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you're going to have to carry a screen, and if you're going to have to carry a and screen... And all the cables. Not, yeah, yeah. And a keyboard. And then, and then you turn your guitar up really loud, and it's going to shake the RAM out, isn't it? <laughs> 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 like, and it'll just... <laughs> you think? You think? Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't mean, think you think all that vibration part, might not be good for a computer? Maybe not. How about a large ass magnet <laughs> right next to your computer? <laughs> Has nobody considered this? <laughs> Maybe it's a ceramic speaker. Maybe it's a ceramic. And after you're done, recording- See, I was thinking of the cooling rather than the magnet, but you do have a bit of a point there. Right? <laughs> after you're done recording everything to two inch tape, you lay it across the top of the thing for a few days just to make sure the magnet has its real effect on the project. Oh, uh, doorstop Hall of Fame. This is the doorstop of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mono, of course, the speaker. But it has a stereo anyway. out. But anyway, stereo well, out but let's move on. Creative sound quality uh, output, right? Those yeah. beep sounds were shaking my gut. Yeah. <laughs> beep, beep. Or oh, the startup chord will be just kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heavy metal windows heaven yeah you could run the start up through uh, amplitude or something like that and drive it real hard I mean, shake the ram out. You know. how did this thing get through i mean yeah, i'm sure they think they've dealt with the magnetism on some level but how did it even get through committee well how did they how did they identify that there must be a market for this i mean what kind of market research did they it's do the boss is gone isn't it it's, i know uh, it's loaded it, well, is it cooper is it still cliff cooper Everybody's directing their marketing towards guitarists these days, including Apple with the Logic 9.1 update, which had all those stupid-looking guitar pedals that you could lay end-to-end and make a 60s-looking thing out of. And uh, Ableton has gone out of their way to, to market to guitarists in certain ways. Certainly Waves have and Line 6 bases their whole business on that. So this I, I is know. really nothing more than a Line 6 with a sort of no, a but mouth. Orange already sell to guitarists. Right. So, so if you want to run software emulations instead yeah, of yeah. buying it Line might. 6, it's very out, whatever they call that thing, that the, the Line 6 amp that runs all their amp emulations, this is a sort of an amp emulation amp, and we can plug a monitor in. And, I, guess, know, I guess, I mean, I, th- I think where it might, you know, if let's assume the magnetism isn't a problem, but... If you could, if you could switch on without, you know, so you could have it auto boot into something, so you could basically have it working, and so you you take that, you put it on top of your big big amp that put, outputs lots and lots of noise, and plug it into there, and you've got your kind of uh, t- little kind of gig setup. Maybe I don't know. I am clutching at straws a little bit here. I'm just trying to. <laughs> 
John says, I'm a PC and Windows 7 in a friggin' guitar amp was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. John. Nice. That's, I think that's got to be something, something approaching the show title there. Anyway, um, well, let's move on. Let's move on quickly because there's a couple of other uh, points. I think perhaps the first thing we should look at is the um, how much do artists earn today? And this was a sort of astonishing graphic. Amazing, isn't it? Um, this is from informationisbeautiful.com. And uh, it's to do with, um, uh, well, basically, there's a, there's a chart here and, and there is an accompanying spreadsheet. So you can see where he got all his figures from. Uh, essentially, what they've done is they've taken the minimum wage, uh, US monthly minimum wage, which is apparently 1160 bucks. I, I can't say whether that's true or not, but let's assume for the state of argument it is. And it says how many sales you'd have to make to, to, to get that. And the graphic goes along something like this. Uh, self-pressed CD, you'd have to sell 100 but uh, at 9.99 you'd have to sell 143. A CD baby album you'd have to sell 155 because obviously get a cut. A retail album you'd have to sell a uh, thousand. That's kind of you know high end royalty deal with a record label. iTunes you'd have to sell a uh, download. You'd have to sell 1200. Uh, MP3 downloads 1500. It goes on and on until you get start get to the downloads. So Rhapsody streaming 850 thousand plays per month. Lost FM. 1.5 million plays per month. Spotify, four and a half million plays per month, all to achieve the uh, 1,000 bucks a month minimum wage for uh, U- US minimum wage. And it's kind of uh, uh, quite sobering. <laughs> a sobering and depressing look, really. I mean, obviously, there's nothing else in here about publishing and uh, syncs and stuff like that. But, I mean, essentially, you know, we're moving towards the digital economy and the fact that, uh, you know, downloads are replacing everything. But it really – and streaming services. And it really looks like it's kind of uh, perhaps – not something that I'd be going into if I'd seen this graphic um, before I decided to form a band. <laughs> there's, um, there's one really important factor that they haven't taken into consideration as well, and that is that uh, there's more than one person in a band, so you need to make oh, yeah, this as is many people a... in the band times as much. Uh, yeah, this, this actually they... says this is, for, this is based on a solo artist. So, yeah, yeah but, exactly. Yeah. So if you're in a band, you've got to multiply that by the number of people in like the band. Four or five. So if you're a four-piece and you want to make... 14, Dave. If you're, <laughs> 14. A four, if you're a four-piece and you want to make... Uh, you'd have to do six million downloads on uh, on, on Last FM and uh, wait 20 million per month on Spotify. I mean, that's just... That's really terrifying, isn't it? I mean, what, what, what the hell are we going to do about that? <laughs> that's just... There's no... There's just no point, is there? Unless you just want to be famous. Or am I, am I missing something? Dave Robinson, tell me I'm missing something. Or don't. <laughs> well, I think what it's... Uh, I, I'm just reading, I'm reading through the way it's presented again. And is it saying that we shouldn't protect the downloading because people earn so very little from it? If it's saying that, then what it doesn't tell you is how many million uh, illegal downloads per month there are and how much money that artists could be making if downloading was more revenue-driven, right. was, was, was legalized like that. I think, what sure it's, I think maybe what it's saying is it doesn't make any difference. The, using that purely as a reason is, is, is fatuous because it, it, it represents such a piss-poor amount of money 
There's, there's, you know, unless you're a million, multi-million selling, you know, unless you're one of the big brands, it's making no difference or very little difference to you. I mean, you know, yeah. let's say there was no piracy, you'd still have to do four and a half million downloads a month on uh, streams on Spotify. I mean, that's still an enormous number. I mean, maybe the split would be better because there'd be more money going around in the system. I don't know, but that, no, that but if there was if there was more if there was no piracy, then there would be a lot more plays and a lot more downloads, and you'd earn a lot more from it. Maybe, maybe so. I think I know. I think I know what it's saying. It's saying if you cut four million five hundred and forty nine thousand and twenty people off their broadband, one musician can make minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a good point. It's amazing what you can do with statistics, isn't it? <laughs> it's just a very sobering set of uh, statistics, and 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 in some ways it links to another topic that's on there, which is you know how we we've so. As a, as a culture, we're so used to not paying for anything, but we're going to start seeing the point of that because obviously there's the same. I mean, you, uh, Dave Robinson, you're linked to uh, a sort of larger media group, which yeah. uh, is no doubt, you know, considering paywalls in various uh, of its publications, purely to protect the business and the fact that they want to pay journalists to actually do the work of journalists, you know, rather than just kind of a load of bloggers and people like us um, just making it up as we go along. There's there are a lot of considerations at my company that on that along those very lines. Yeah, I mean we we haven't gone down that uh, we haven't gone down that road. And I mean I guess you, you're bringing this into the Rolling Stone uh, yeah. item here, um, giving their on, online readers total access for a price. Yes, and that's great. But uh, if there, if that information isn't out there somewhere else and they can police that, then great. But I guess it's mainly driven by what Murdoch's doing with the gating uh, the content of his newspapers and preventing Google from hosting um, mirror sites or, or whatever. Um, we, we're in a very interesting time with the whole information delivery. And so I, I know we all know this, but what happens next in terms of gated sites, paid uh, sub- subscriber sites? Um, the next couple of years, there'll be a bit of a shakeout. And either it'll it'll work or, or it won't work at all, and the whole thing will come tumbling down. Personally, I don't think it's going to work um, unless you're not for information like the news, not for not for reporting. It's that kind of model is really only going to work for specialist uh, for specialist information, or in the same way as you'd pay three hundred quid for for a report about a specific subject because you really wanted that report. That information has been researched and surveyed and, and put together, analysed by by a specific team, not just for some reporter reporting on uh, some event that other people, the BBC or whoever, will report on as well. How these revenue models are going to work is going to be very it's very interesting. Well, and, yeah, and in the same way as that the people are paying for music, but so many such a big factor times that number are not paying for music i know dave i mean obviously dave spears i mean you're tied up with the the whole digital rights things purely because you deliver you can or can deliver digital download versions of your software And, and you presumably buy stuff on itunes and you know you're kind of immersed in this whole kind of digital world i mean what do you think i mean is there i i'm i'm personally a sort of slight kind of pleased that Murdoch is trying to make a stand so that there is a normality to charging for content. So somewhere down the line, you know, it's not going to be seen as a total joke to be able to kind of charge people in some way for what you do if it's a quality service. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like Dave, I think it's going to be difficult in terms of news, but the more specialist stuff, yeah. 
Um, it is a really interesting thing, and I think Dave's entirely right. We're going to see it kind of mature over the next couple of years, and something will out. Mm. It's quite interesting. We were approached fairly recently by somebody who suggested that we get together with a load of industry people and launch a class action against Google, because if you put in a search for one of our instruments, our site will probably come up next to a torrent site. So there are all those kind of factors involved. I mean, it's a very interesting book, The Cult of the Amateur, which revolves around, and I think it's very journalist-focused, but it revolves around people for their work. The The Cult Cult of the Amateur. Right. Uh, And it's quite an interesting book. I don't agree with all of it, but some of it's very uh, interesting. And it's really revolving around journalists being paid. Um, There's a big thing at the minute, isn't there, with uh, one of the mags saying that as a journalist you would sign away your rights indefinitely. Oh yeah, the whole debate with uh, NME and uh, the yeah you know, the, the titles, the EMAP or the Bauer titles, I should say. Yeah, and it's uh, again, it's kind of interesting concept. I like paying people to do work. I think that's the weird thing. And every time you know I have to deal with kind of piracy, it's like, well, actually, what you're doing is taking away revenue that we can use to pay somebody else to do another job which would actually be quite cool so i like that in fact i had this discussion with chris the other day is that you know somebody said to me that i should be doing the music for uh, ricky gervais's film and i said yeah that would be amazing wouldn't it i could pull in all these people and then somebody stopped me and said that's probably the difference between you and somebody who's brilliant and that <laughs> they would do it themselves whereas you immediately go oh i could use this person and this person and this person and i think that's a reasonable point i like using other people and, I don't. I think that makes you more brilliant, personally. But surround yourself with brilliant people. That's it's called yeah, exactly. management yeah, skills, no, isn't it? Yeah, like take Henry Ford for example. Henry Ford invented the Ford Model T. Henry Ford was a sticker too short planks, and basically, they uh, somebody took him to court, and they um, about something to do with his cars, and I can't remember the exact story, but he stood in court and they asked him this question and he said, why would I need to answer the, know the answer to that when I can have somebody who knows the answer to that question on the phone in, you know, seconds or whatever? And that was his philosophy. If I don't know how to do it, I'll find somebody else that does. Expertise, yeah, expertise is as much about recognising others' expertise and utilising yeah. it in a meaningful way. That's what I'm trying and to say. it has say. a value. It has yes, a value. Yes, absolutely. I, I suppose, you know, the, the, the net result is we, we're no closer to a resolution of this, but it seems to be coming a lot more into focus, finally. And, you know, this is stuff is going to keep happening because we've got the newspapers to go, then we've got the books, then we've got the filming. You know, there's a lot of industries who are going to have to face this and come up with solutions to make it work. But the book industry, I mean, having written a book myself, is that a plug? Yeah, I think it probably was. Okay. <laughs> you can put the URL in the show notes. Um, but having written a book myself, what I'm noticing with the book industry and around the Kindle and around audio books and around uh, electronic downloads of books is that it seems to be surviving a lot better than the music industry. In other words, people that buy books and read them on computers seem to have more respect for the value of the material, maybe, or certainly Amazon aren't allowing things to be pitched at really at, you know a low price point so all these ebooks that are coming out are being pitched at almost the same price as the physical paper copy yeah which is interesting because the music industry kind of went oh everyone's downloading we need to pitch our price so low that the downloads stop so they tried to solve the problem of downloads rather than solving the overall problem I think. Isn't that something to do with the disposability of music compared with the commitment you have 
to reading a, a novel as well. I but think I, so, if yeah. I, so the, the... If I can flick through a dozen tracks and pick the one I like, and uh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. But with a book, it's it's, it's something where you, uh, you you get into it and, and you become part of, you become one with it, and you you absorb what it's saying, and you it's a whole different commitment level. Mm-hmm. Oh, it has been. Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, yes. Um, but also, there's another thing I just thought of, and that is that you can tell people that you're adding value to their experience of the book by making the text searchable, I mm. suppose. That mm. makes the electronic book as valuable as the paper copy. If I want to find something in an electronic book, I can just you know, type something into a search bar and find that term or comment or whatever. Mm. Rich Hilton, you've been very quiet, I notice. He's reading his Kindle. <laughs> Has all your bandwidth well, being taken up with some illegal downloading? No. Actually, right, right, right. I was too busy buying pirated from software. Uh, pirating software. No, um, I, I observe all this. I don't, I don't necessarily have a position in it. It's all looking very grim to me. Uh, I think that as a means of making a living, it's very tough. Mm. My kids certainly know that I think that <laughs> one of them still wants to be a musician. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I don't have a lot to say about it. Uh, I really very much enjoyed listening to you guys talk about it, though. Well, I, That's why you didn't hear a peep. Out. <laughs> there is one of the there is one of the model here, which I think is very uh, interesting. It's one that Howard Jones uh, pursued. I was talking with uh, Robbie, his, who produced a Howard Jones album recently, and that is, you know, before you take it to the digital download to the major distribution, you create a custom version, like a box set with kind of lots of extras and what have you, and you sell it for, you know, 60 bucks or whatever. And if you've got enough fans that you've built up through your gigs and through, you know, through this or the other, I mean, even if you've only got a thousand fans, you know, you sell 60,000, you sell 60 at a thousand bucks, sorry, a thousand at 60 bucks. That's, that's, that's kind of starting to get pretty interesting. And, you know, there are a lot of people who probably only got one or 2000 fans or a few hundred fans, but if they can sell enough product to them, people who are interested, then you can make a decent amount of money. It seems to me that there's an awful lot of money being skimmed somewhere in the system with this digital system. And I don't know where it's going, but I mean, these download prices are just kind of ludicrous. Maybe how that's, it, how do you build up your fan base? If you don't have a fan base, though? well, you have to, st- yeah, you have to start, you actually have to physically interact with people. You do it in clever ways. You know, you, you make viral videos, you make stuff that's, that's cool. You give certain stuff away to build things up. I mean, you have to do that. It's kind of promotion. It's what bands have traditionally done. I mean, essentially in the old days when, um, you know, you or I or Dave or whatever would have to go on these promo tours around Europe. It cost thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds and hours and hours and hours of time. But you're doing it to, as an investment to build up and to let people know about your stuff and to do yeah. something special so that they go, oh, I want to buy something from them. You have to do that kind of stuff as well. Mm. So, you know, you can't just expect to make a record and put it online and then, you know, make the minimum wage. You have to figure out a way of getting people into you. I suppose. Like Tara Bush is doing. Yeah. Like Tara Bush, unlike, you know, the, 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 the brilliant Imogen Heap, you know, I mean, she I've only got has to tell you, can I tell you a Tara Bush story? Oh, please, yeah. I was listening to her album in London, and I was kind of walking along, and I was thinking, this is just so kind of, it has a sort of a 60s small faces vibe to it in places, and I was thinking, this is so cool, this album, and it was a really sunny day, and I noticed this tree, and I stood and stared at this tree for ages, and then I kind of noticed some people kind of looking at me a bit odd and thought, I'd better stop doing that. <laughs> and then 
I'm kind of walking up the road, and I can't remember the name of the track, but this track came on and it had this real kind of 60s bounce to it. So I sort of thought, wow, it must have been, you know, I could imagine having been in the 60s as one of the small faces or being around at that time and kind of fell into that kind of vibe and started doing this kind of really cool 70s kind of walk. <laughs> and this woman walking the other way kind of smiled at me and I smiled back and I thought, wow, that was really odd. I don't normally smile at people, right? And the next woman that was walking towards me was like going out of her way to catch my eye. And then it all got a bit scary and I thought I'd better stop doing this. <laughs> it's the power some, of music. Yeah, there's a vibe in her music that's just kind of, you know, I don't know. It translates it's, itself into it's pure le- pure sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tara's album. It's, yeah. And, yeah. And, and women will fall at your feet. It's strange that you're listening, listening to Tara Bush and you're looking at a tree. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're listening to Image and Heat, you'd be looking at a large pile of stones, perhaps. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> that sort of brings us ra- to a rambling close to a, a proceeding. So thank you very much to everybody. It's been a, a lot of fun, as usual. Uh, Rich, I know you're going to be in Japan next week, but we may or may not be able to have a live hookup. I certainly hope so, and uh, hope all your travelling and stuff goes well. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I expect I will be able to do it. And uh, today I will be going to the Apple Store. Ooh, what for? What for? I have the dreaded laptop bulging battery syndrome. Oh, man. It's not to the point where I can't use the mouse button yet, but I could feel it tightening up, and I turned it over and pulled the battery, and indeed, yeah. it's uh, growing. Get a replacement uh, Much like I am, actually. So. <laughs> it's directly linked. It's empathetic hardware syndrome. So if I stop eating, then the battery will return to a normal size. I've, I've heard there's a theory that that can happen. Yeah, well, I'd rather go to the Apple store. Yeah. For free. <laughs> Pick up some donuts on the way. Hey! hey woo. <laughs> well, Rich, um, have a great trip. Um, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius, and you can find him on uh, Facebook and all those kind of things. So uh, have a good trip, and we look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And we'll say goodbye to Dave Robinson. I imagine you're probably getting to the people knocking on the door, get out of my room. Yeah, they, got, <laughs> I'm seeing some shapes outside the room. Yeah. Well, thanks and for I, hanging in yeah. there. Thanks for hanging no, in thanks. there. thanks. I think that's the second, possibly the third time. It's, uh, oh, I'm getting better. Anyway, thanks very much. Cheers. Speak Dave Robinson, prosoundnewseurope.com. Check it out. New look, subscribe, buy stuff. Thanks. Bye. And also, uh, we'll say goodbye to uh, Dave Spears, g4software.com. Thanks for joining us as well this week. Thank you. Um, can I just say a quick thank you very much to um, Failed Muso for his nice little blog. Oh, yes. He did a little poster of the Underworld guys with your um, Imposca 2 control surface, right? Mm. Yeah. Nicely written. Thank you. Did it, uh, did it result in some super wonderful sounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've, I, that's where I've been today to pick it up. Ah. and hear the results yeah no good wow great you're getting quite a following with that um that i think there may be calls to do something about it you know what maybe you should just do a touchscreen interface an ipad touch app that isn't actually the synth it's just an interface that can talk to the synth on your uh, on a computer yeah it'd be nice you got a touchscreen version of it you see what i mean Mm mm-hmm Hmm. That's an interesting. Any programmers idea. out there, you got my email address. That's an interesting idea. So it doesn't. Yeah, that is an interesting idea. So use it as a control surface. Mm, yeah. I like the sound of that. Anyway, g4software.com. Thank you very much, Dave. It's been a pleasure having okay. you as well. And Mark Tinley, um, not forgetting you as well. Uh, go and buy Mark's book. Where can we find your book, Mark? 
Uh, you can find my book at logicofattraction.com. Okay, go buy it and um, help contribute to the digital economy and help Mark re- reach the minimum wage. Oh, yes, please. That would be really <laughs> exciting. Anyway, thank you very much to my Rich, I did say goodbye to you as well. I'm, I'm sorry, my mind's going. You did, but I, did. I never tire of it. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, parting is such sweet sorrow and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and thanks to everybody in the chat room. It's been a great, uh, a great bunch of you guys. Thank you very much. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number 172.